I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of Tunnel Vision. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, and I'm joined alongside a USC legend, uh, Darnell Bing, uh, former All-American safety at USC, was a Thorpe Award finalist. Played in the NFL, doing a lot of good things off the field now. We wanted to get uh, caught up with him a couple of times at his golf tournament uh, for Olive Crest. And I wanted to uh, catch up with Darnell. And uh, Darnell, man, how you doing? Thanks for coming on. Oh, man, no problem. Thank you for inviting me and giving me this opportunity to be here with you on this uh, on this platform. Yeah, it's, appreciate uh, it. Oh, of course. Uh, it was so. Um, if you don't know, Darnell Bing's involved uh, in a great charity called Olive Crest, and they've had. Uh, how many golf tournaments have you had out there in the IE? A couple, two, so, three? This, so this past one was our second one that we've had at with the Olive Crest IE chapter. Okay. Uh, I know they do a few of them with the Orange County uh, chapter. I believe they may have done something with the Los Angeles chapter. We have had two with the IE chapter, and we are in the process of confirming our um, date and venue for our third annual um, golf tournament that will be taking place in February of 2023. Nice. And I've been lucky enough uh, to, to go. Thanks for having me there. Got, uh, Sonny Bird and Brandon Hancock was our, my, yeah. my crew, uh, <laughs> which is fun to get to play with those guys. Uh, here's a picture of you with like Oscar Lua uh, yes. out there um, at the tournament and uh, uh, there with your wife, I believe. Uh, yes. Yeah. And then. Yes. This was a good one from the last, uh, for the one we just had, a bunch of USC legends out there. So tons of former uh, USC players are, were there. Yes, indeed. That must have been fun yeah. for you. And that's not even all of them right there. But that, yeah, that, that's a great picture, though. You know, it's, um, you know, I, I do greatly appreciate the fellas that's always coming out and supporting the calls. You know, um, like from that picture right there, we had uh, Lofa Tatupu and David Kirkman, who, Flew down from Seattle, you know. Rest the rest of the guys that's in there, they're all pretty much local, Los Angeles, Orange County, um, some are in the Valley. But just to have some of the guys, such as Lofa and David Kirkman, to fly down from Seattle to enjoy such a moment with uh, not just myself, but you know, uh, all the folks from Olive Crest and you know, and, and supporting the cause is just appreciated. You know, um, and we're anticipating more folks that'll be out there this year that that was in on the field with me during those times. And hopefully we'll be able to bring some guys that that participated within those, the Trojan field and, you know, the USC uh, alumni that participated uh, years before me and hopefully some that participated years after me. Yeah, Lofa was a, man, he was something. Yeah. He was on fire. <laughs> Sean Cody was great. I think he had blue hair at the event. Yeah, um, yeah. We had to get that. And Colin Ashton is like a, Plus golf. I mean, he's better than scratch golfer. Like he's he shows up at every yeah. one of those things because he just you know just wins. I think Lofa yeah. took uh, Cody won like the long drive and like Lofa went up and accepted it and like broke the trophy. <laughs> like there was a lot of stuff going on. 
Yeah, this is true. Colin, he is a ringer for sure. Oh. Um, I believe it would be the guys that, that have been there in, in previous years. I believe it would be a nice, nice uh, competition between Colin and Tom Malone. Oh, Tom Malone wasn't able to make this year, but you know he was there the the first year, and I'm expecting him to be there this this third year as well. But Tom Malone is a pretty good golfer as well. Oh, okay. Now, he know. was actually the first person that ever took me to a golf course, and yeah, <laughs> I stunk it up just like I stink it up now. But you know, I, I definitely appreciate him. You know, being one of those guys that introduced me to the game of golf many years ago. Yeah, you hit a ball in our crew. Like you, you drove with us. I think it was okay. It was yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> we had a good time. I can always hit the ball fun. for sure. Yeah, yeah this may good. not go straight. <laughs> There's some of the former players that couldn't hit the ball, so they're. <laughs> but for people who don't know, um, maybe talk about what Olive Crest is and how you kind of got involved with it. So let me give you the backstory on how I got involved with it first. You know, um, my wife and I, we went to the. The USC Utah game, and I believe this was—I forget what year it was—but this was the game that uh, JT Daniels got hurt in that game, and I believe it was Slovis that came in and basically demolished Utah's defense. Um, but after the game, my wife and I—we ran into the late great Sam Cunningham. And, you know, we always dedicate time with him whenever we see him, you know. So we definitely took the time to, you know, just converse with him and check in on him and see how he was doing. And, you know, one of the things that he asked my wife first was, you know, outside of, you know, her daily routine and outside of her work schedule, what are some things that she's interested in doing? And she shared that she is interested in servicing and providing some type of resources to our, our young women. And, uh, you know, he asked me the same question. And I'm, naturally, I'm just the individual that loves giving back to, to the youth. So he basically took that information and reached out to me probably about a week later, sharing that he wanted to connect me with an individual by the name of, and I'm drawing a blank, by the name of uh, Stan, what is Stan's last name? Oh. Uh, I am drawing a blank. Anyhow, Stan is a former USC basketball coach. Uh, Stan Morrison. Okay. He's a former USC basketball coach during the time that Sam Cunningham was there playing football. Um, and Stan, you know, uh, he reached out or Sam Cunningham gave me Stan's number. I reached out to him. And then uh, me and Stan Morrison had lunch and, you know, we went through the whole conversation of what it is that I was looking to do and how I can help out in the IE area. Um, most recently, Stan Morrison, he has served as the athletic director at UC Riverside. Oh, okay. And then he was part of, uh, you know, he's he's big out here in the IE. Um, you know, he's like the man. You can ask anybody out here in, in the empire and they'll tell you that they know Stan. Um, but basically, we, we had a conversation and he introduced me to the folks over at Olive Press. My wife and I met with them and we, we loved what they were trying to do for, for the youth. Um, and Olive Press is basically a nonprofit that, that caters to the at-risk youth, uh, with the, with the, with the focus on those within foster care. 
So it provides safe housing. It does uh, intentional outreach uh, to the community to see if they can support any of those that are not trying to, you know, share their information um, in terms of some of the things that they may be struggling with. Uh, you know, one of the biggest things that we loved about Olive Crest as well is for those families that unfortunately lose their, their child to uh, the foster system, um, they work with those families to try to provide them the resources to make their homes safe again and in uh, an acceptable environment for the, for the government or the county to give them back their child and make sure that their child are going back to a safe environment with their families. Um, and, you know, they keep in touch with the families and make sure that after they receive their kids back, that they still are providing the resources for that, for those families. And then for the, the individuals that do not go back to their families, you know, Olive Press is providing, um, uh, they go through a very intense background, uh, search and, you know, look at different folks to see who can provide that safe house for those kids. Um, and then they also have transitional housing for, for those folks that are transitioning out of foster care. And those, um, it's called the retreat. So they basically have, um, there's one here in, that's close to me. There's basically, uh, it was a property, a piece of land that somebody purchased and donated to Olive Crest in which they turned around and built uh, eight houses on it. And within those eight houses, each house has like four to five young men. And then there is different individuals that come within that house to make sure that everything is running properly. And they provide each of those young men life skills and, you know, teach them about, you know, um, how to pay bills and the importance of education, whether you go to a college or not, but still, you know, benefiting from the, the education that you can receive through high school. Um, they also go through a, a a rigorous uh, and intense um, breakdown of some of the additional things such as the career support and, you know, helping them find out some different careers that they may be interested in. And it's all really just to help them transition from foster care into um, being in life and making sure that they have all the tools that they need to be successful. Yeah. And so many great stories uh, from your event. And I, I was in another one, which was kind of random, yeah. <laughs> uh, like a fishing tournament in Orange County that they asked me to be a, like a volunteer uh, captain for, and it was for all across. I'm like, I know this charity from yeah. Dale Bing. So, but every time you hear a story, it's just amazing. And uh, yeah, by yeah. the way, yeah, so many like the testimonials are great. It was very hard. I mean, just pulling out your heartstrings like some of these kids, but the way that they've bounced back through your organization has been great. And uh, that was the 2019 USC Utah game where Keaton Slovis got hurt and Matt go. Fink uh, came in and. Did the, they call it the YOLO raid. Just, you just threw it down, like Pittman just threw it up in the air and just like, Zillia, yeah, Utah was playing USC man to man the whole time for some reason. Yeah. It didn't work out. So well, <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to talk some football too, but you, you mentioned, you know, education. You had furthered your education too since leaving USC. If you want to give people kind of an update on, you know, what you. Yeah. Learned. Yeah. I, uh, so. I left after my junior year at USC and, and entered into the NFL draft, the 2006 draft. Um, I did not complete my degree. However, I spent five years in the NFL bouncing around from team to team and trying to find, you know, my home. Um, unfortunately, I had a second neck injury in 2010, which basically was one of the uh, 
one of the reasons why I, you know, pretty much shut it down. You know, I could have continued to try to pursue it, but you know, that, that second neck injury was, was something that really sat on me. And I felt that it was, it was time, you know, so I spent a few, basically about a year and a half trying to figure out what it, what it was that I wanted to do next. And I knew that I had made a commitment to, uh, the former athletic director, uh, Mike Garrett. Um, and, and that commitment was that I would definitely get my degree. Um, so I went back to USC and finished up my master's or, or finished up my uh, bachelor's degree. And during the time I was working on my bachelor's, I also felt myself uh, pretty much mentoring some of the current student athletes. Uh, after I finished up my bachelor's degree, I worked with a buddy of mine who owns a few companies. I, I never went to work. I always found myself back at USC and mentoring some of the student athletes and just being present there. So um, I took that information. I spoke with some of the folks over at USC and, you know, um, asked questions such as, what is it that I need to do to potentially work here in the uh, athletics department, but on the educational side? And they advised me that I needed to go and get my master's degree. So uh, I went back to USC, start working on my master's degree in education with the emphasis in educational counseling. And during that time, I was working there as a, as a grad assistant and supporting our student athletes through, uh, through, through the athletics and, you know, helping them with time management skills, note-taking skills, and making sure that everything was just on point for them to be successful in their, in their courses. Um, however, once I finished my master's degree, I did not take an opportunity or pursue an opportunity to work at USC. Uh, my last semester... I actually started interning at a few community colleges and I felt that my presence was more important at the community college level than it would be at the uh, four-year institution, specifically USC. So I started, uh, you know, I basically got a job at two different uh, community colleges once I finished my master's degree. And that was at Mount Sac and also Mount San Jacinto Community College. Um, so now I, I currently only work at Mount San Jacinto as a full-time counselor and a professor. And I also run a program there called the Emoja Program. Um, but shortly after completing my, my master's degree, I thought I'd challenge myself and go back and try to see if I can complete a doctorate, which I did in <laughs> May of, so I actually, I actually, finished my dissertation and I defended my dissertation in February of 2021 okay. and I walked across the stage of May of 21. So now it's, uh, I don't go by the name, Dr. but Bing. now it is Dr. Bing. Yes. <laughs> and it's like the real Dr. Bing, not like I got some honorary degree yeah. or something. Like, you had to do the whole thing. Congratulations. Yes, I mean, it's, just, it's such a yes, great story. Uh, when you, when you, you love it to hear, you know, football players come back and get their degree, like if they left early for the NFL. But it's yeah. rare when you see the the graduate degrees coming through, uh, the masters, and then a you know a doctorate. Like holy cow, that's uh, yeah. that's amazing. But I want you know we're going to talk about football, but we wanted to kind of get some of that stuff there, let people yeah. know because yeah. uh, they want to get updated on what you know what you've been up to and everything. And you mentioned uh, Mike Garrett, and we, I put yes. so I I mentioned you off air. I put this that we we're going to talk on the message board and. I got so many responses. All these people want to ask you questions. So we're probably just going to kind of talk through some of their questions because they're good. There was a lot of good ones. But 
one of the things that came up and there's a parallel to, you know, what could be going on today uh, mm -hmm. was that when you came to USC, you wanted to wear number 20. I think I had the, uh, uh, let me pull it up here. Like your, uh, yeah, number 20, you know, number 20 yeah. here. And um, you know, here's your with the captains and everything. But mm -hmm. uh, Mike Garrett, obviously, you know, won the Heisman Trophy at USC. Uh, and you had to ask him for permission. So we had a couple questions. Jack Burton says, says, how did you ask Garrett for the number 20? And then Trojan Lights uh, said, um, I'm sorry, did you feel any pressure to perform at a higher level because he wore, you wore the Heisman Trophy winner's number uh, in number 20? So, again, I give you the backstory on that. Uh, during, during the recruiting process, um, Coach Kennedy Pola, uh, Coach Pete Carroll, they came out and, you know, one of the questions they asked me was, if I were to come to USC, what number would I like to wear? And I said, I, I'd like to wear number 20. And then they go, what would be your second choice? I said, number 20. <laughs> <laughs> then they go, uh, if you could not wear number 20, what jersey number would you like to wear? And at that point, I said, I, I would go with either 21 or 25. And then they proceeded to, to, to let me know that the number 20 was retired, which I did not know at the time. Um, so that was pretty much the end of that conversation. Uh, once I came on my recruiting trip, they shared that they wanted me to come out a little early. Uh, they didn't tell me why. So I, I went to, to the campus earlier than some of the other guys. And during that time, they uh, basically had me go and meet Mike Garrett. And we went to his office and we're having a conversation. And then he goes, by the way, I hear you want to wear the number 20. I'm like, yes, like that's my number. He was like, uh, do you know that that number is retired? I was like, I did not know, but I now know. <laughs> like, well, it was retired by me. And I will allow you to wear this jersey if you do two things for me. I was like, okay. He was like, you have to play well. But most importantly, you got to get your degree. I was like, well, that's easy. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't really me asking him per se, because I didn't know that it was retired at the time. Yeah. But uh, when I came on my recruiting trip, you know, having that opportunity to just meet him and see who he was, and you know, him presenting the jersey to me, because he actually like showed me um, one of the jerseys during that time as well. I have a picture somewhere. Um, I'll probably find it and then I'll I'll send it to you or something. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was it was you know it was it was great to you know come into that setting and actually see the guy who um whose jersey I'm trying to have unretired and have that conversation with him and you know knowing that it was like retired for at that time almost forty years, you know um, it was. It was pretty dope. <laughs> Did you reach out to Mike after you finished your degree and said, "Hey, I, I kept my promise." Yeah. Each each time, each time that I've completed my degree, I reached out to him and said, "Hey, I I got my bachelor's degree." And then once I got my master's, I reached out to him again and said, "Hey, I went back and got my master's degree." And then the same thing with my doctorate. And he was just like, "Congratulations, <laughs> Doctor Bing. I always knew you would be great." <laughs> That's awesome. No, that's really good. I mean, he, he wanted you just to get a regular degree. You got you got a couple more yeah. on top of that. But the the parallel, um, you know, why this is kind of interesting today is because USC picked up a, 
uh, a transfer out of Pittsburgh, Jordan Addison, who wears the number three, obviously retired by Carson Palmer. He's the reigning uh, Bolitnikoff Award winner in Trojan Lights. And we had other people ask about this, too. Do you think that Jordan Addison should ask to wear Carson's Palmer, Carson Palmer's number three retired number? Uh, any thoughts on that, uh, you know, with someone like him? He's proven uh, in college already. He's, this isn't a high school player. This is He was the best receiver in the country last year. I'm staying out of that conversation. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm staying out of that conversation. You know, uh, if I had to go back and if I if I had access to all the information that these individuals have access to now, I don't know if I would have asked Mike Garrett to wear number 20, okay. just out of respect, um, because, you know, the jersey is put up for because of all the amazing accomplishments you you had wearing that number. You know, I don't I don't know if I would have asked to, to wear that number if I had known. Um, so because of that, I'm gonna stay out of that conversation. All right, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, we had a question from uh, Vegas Paul. Uh, how did playing football at USC helped uh, in your after college life? Uh, how did playing football at USC help in my after college life? Um, I would say the biggest thing for me is, you know, um, if we look at some of the guys that I played with, you know, just looking at the many things that so many people are doing now, um, and still having access to those folks and, you know, just seeing the amazing things that, that they are doing and, you know, I'm just knowing that they are still my brothers. We bled on the field together. We went through many of camps together. And, you know, knowing that I have that that group of individuals that I can reach out to if I was ever in need of anything and they would be uh, supportive of, of whatever my needs are. Um, just knowing that I have that group uh, of folks, it has encouraged me to, you know, move about life. Um, through my professional career outside of football and also within my family and try to implement some of the tools and resources that I've gathered from working or playing with those guys at USC. You know, um, you know, I know when we used to go to practice before we go on the field, it's, it's you know, uh, you basically tap in and, and it's a uh, fight on. Um, so what I've tried to instill within my life is just you know, we, I'm bringing everybody together and, you know, if we are a family, we're just going to make this family even stronger by making sure that we are supporting each other and whatever it is that we're trying to do. Um, so just going, just looking at it that way and, you know, having an understanding that if you stumble, I'm going to pick you up. And if I stumble, I hope you'll do the same. And that, that goes with the, uh, the, the students that I, that I work with, that goes with my family in terms of my wife and my kids, that goes with my brothers and, you know, my mother, my, my father, whoever it is, you know, uh, just trying to instill some of those some of those tools that I've gathered from, you know, being on a field with so many different amazing folks. You know, um, I know some people may say, well, you guys never really had many challenges. But if you really look at it, some of the things that we that we had to go through, um, it may not look like a challenge to most folks because many games it looked like we was blowing people out. but there were some real life challenges within those situations, you know, uh, and I can just think about right now. I know that 2005 season was, was an interesting season, you know, um, 
just thinking about the Arizona State game. I believe we went we went to halftime down. You know, I think we may have ended up blowing them out by the end of the game, but we went to halftime down. And, you know, being a top-tier uh, team at that time, just think about how that, that locker room was at halftime. You know, it wasn't one of those deals to where we're all sitting there pouting. You know, we went in there and had a very intense conversation on what we needed to do. And, you know, we was okay with calling each other out. In some situations, you know, outside of practice or outside the game, if if there is an issue, we we made sure we handled the issue and, and moved forward with it about, you know, in a family-like matter. So, huh. you know, that, those are some of the things are – that's one of the biggest things that I would like to say that playing football at USC has helped me with, just making sure that as I move forward, I have that core group of individuals that – going to hold me accountable and I can hold accountable and we make sure that we support each other and um, whatever it is that we're doing. I want to definitely talk about more about the, you know, your career and the, you know, the, the student championships and all that. Um, we had a bunch of questions about your Long Beach Poly days. So I'm going to put up, you guys had the Poly five. If you remember, I'll put up that photo. Yeah. <laughs> Winston Justice, social Justice, all you guys. Um, we can go through this quick. I have a few. Just J88 says, who is the best player to come out of Long Beach Poly? Ever? I couldn't even tell you. It's been so many people that came out of Long Beach Poly. And the crazy thing is um, probably one of the best players is probably somebody that never even went to college because of whatever it is that they had going on in life. We had some amazing folks that came through uh, Poly. And, and some folks have done some amazing things afterwards. And unfortunately, some folks didn't really get an opportunity. So it's really hard to say who was the best player ever that came out of Poly because it's just, I mean, if you look in the background there, you know, you got those pictures that's behind us. And in that room alone, it was about 15 of those cases full of pictures. And, you know, that I believe that only started in like the late 80s or something. Just think about all the guys that played before then and all the guys that's played after we took this picture, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I really don't know who would be the best player that came out of Long Beach Poly yeah, outside of myself. That's a tough one. <laughs> Let's go with you. Uh, that's a good answer, though. Cliff1144 uh, says, what was it like playing against De La, De La Salle? Those Poly De La Salle battles were legendary. I only played in one. I only played in one. Um, and that was... I would say that was like an introduction to college football, you know, although it was at the high school level, just being able to see uh, two teams that was amazing teams just go at it from beginning to end. And, you know, the interesting part, I don't know if many folks know, but that 2001 year when we played De La Salle, they had a lot of guys that went both ways. Um, and we 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 had a stacked uh, defense and offense, but to see that they had a, a lot of guys that played both ways and were still able to do some of the amazing things that they did, it was just it was pretty dope. Um, yeah. Just even being that atmosphere, um, I know one of the shocking things was Maurice Drew. You know, um, I don't even think we like really had much game plan on him because I believe at that point in time. I don't think he was the starting running back. Uh, I, I believe he was. I believe he was playing like defense mainly, and he had a few carries at running back before that game. 
But when he came in, it was like, man, who is this little dude? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, where did he come from? Why don't we know nothing about him? Yeah. And, you know, um, and, and I, I'm not, and I'm not going to say this to discredit his ability because he's a, he was amazing running back, you know, um, but, you know, they played that, they had that wing T run running back style and, you know, to have him who was, I think Maurice is probably like five, seven, five, eight, you know, and then he's sitting behind the offensive line who was no less than six, four, you know, and then all of a sudden this little guy with these huge legs just come <laughs> running through the hose like, man, you know, but all in all, I think it was, uh, it was amazing to be a part of that. Um, especially in that 2001, the, the first one that ever kicked it off. You know, we unfortunately took an L, but it was a, it was an L that I think, um, I think it changed how we view things. And, you know, I think in terms of some of the guys I went to SC with me, you know, having that understanding that you can always be on top, but there is somebody that's trying to come and take your spot. You know, um, I think that I think that helped us with our mindset as we move forward. Um, but yeah, that was legendary game, legendary game for sure. One last poly one. Uh, Tino on thirty four wants to know why didn't uh, Mercedes Lewis join you guys at USC? I'll put that uh, that up there. He's the only one. No idea. No idea. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. You know, Mer Mercedes probably has something lined up already. Uh, if I had to answer that, like, honestly, I would say the biggest thing that comes to mind for me is Mercedes was a basketball player, too. Like, he was like a legit football basketball guy. Like, what we see with Drake London and how he came and was like a basketball guy, then he transitioned to football. Mercedes was that – he was always a football player, but, you know, he also played basketball and he was pretty good. So, if I'm just – this is me assuming. If I'm just thinking of what his thought process was, it was like, okay, I'm going to go to – I'm going to go to a school to where I feel that I can dominate both football and basketball, yeah. you know, and at that point in time, you know, he may have thought that UCLA was a better team basketball wise and possibly football, who knows, but, um, yeah, that's the only thing I can really think of, you know, him just looking at the tradition from a basketball perspective and seeing what he can possibly do, possibly give him more opportunities to, you know, go professional if he, Worst case scenario, if he didn't make it to football, which we already knew he would, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, he's still around, <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah. Um, I know, great for him. Uh, we got a few. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Some more questions. I know we've been going on. Do you have a few more minutes to do this? Or I feel bad. Like yeah. That. Okay. Yeah. You're good. Uh, Jeff D. 830 says, what was pra- practice like with a healthy Herschel Dennis, Reggie Bush, Lindell White, and then uh, he didn't mention Chauncey Washington, but someone else in the thread mentioned him too. So. Uh, yeah. yeah. What was practice oh, like man. with those guys? Basically a game. <laughs> it was really a game. You know, I think that was why we always felt like we were prepared going into the game because we had so many amazing running backs um, that could come in. You know, and everybody had something different to them. You know, uh, you know, you think about I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Chauncey first. Chauncey was that guy who was a big back, who was super fast and light on his feet. You know, and then you have Reggie Bush, who was super fast, and you know he wasn't a huge running back, but um, you know, you all have seen what Reggie can do on the field. Then you've got the Thunder. With then uh, Lindell White, who was going to, you know, he was a big guy who was going to bring the hat. And then you had Herschel, you know, Herschel, sweet feet Herschel. You know, he was, <laughs> that guy was shifty. And, you know, it was hard to bring bring him down. But then if you want to take a step back and even include some of the other guys that was there playing running back, such as um, Desmond Reed, oh, yeah. you know, he, he was... You know, Desmond Reed was a legit running back as well, who was very shifty and a, and a smaller running back, but he was shifty too. Uh, but yeah, yeah, and I'm pretty sure that there's some other folks that that I'm forgetting about at the moment. But you know, uh, practice back in the day was really it made the game easier because we knew we wasn't going to face any other running backs like that. And the same <laughs> the same goes for um, our receiving core as well. You know, all those amazing receivers that we had at, from from the outside guys like Mike Williams, Kerry Colbert, um, uh, Dwayne Jarrett, Steve Smith, Smith yeah. you know. Yeah, practice was practice was our game <laughs> until we got to the game. People no. say that a lot now, but like that was the I mean, I think it's more of a yeah. it's cliche. It's not like, oh, we're going to practice yeah. harder. The games are easy, but like. It was that yeah. way for you guys, which was crazy. Yeah, it, it was that way. And, <laughs> you know, the the thing about it, too, um, and like, we had to, like, be intense within our practice or, you know, we got in trouble, you know. And I can, I can pinpoint um, some of the trouble that I got into within my last year, you know. Uh, like, after a while, like my, my last year, my junior year, Certain individuals I wouldn't hit, you know, um, when we practice. And it had ended up getting to the point to where I pretty much, like, if you wasn't a big guy, I wasn't going to hit you. And I started getting in trouble for that. And if you go back to the 2005 BYU game, I don't think I played until the second quarter, maybe halftime. Pete Carroll benched me. He said, you're not practicing hard enough. <laughs> wow. He said, he said if you don't if you don't hit in practice, you are not going to start. And I tested him and, and he sure enough made me sit down. <laughs> wow. And it was probably another game that he did the same thing as well. You know, um, but yeah, it was that's like we really had to go out there and practice. 
You know, it wasn't, and I'm not saying that they do it, but it wasn't one of those deals to where, you know, we can skip practice and still expect to start and all that stuff. No, it wasn't, it wasn't happening like that. We had too many guys. Yeah. We had too many guys. So there's always the next guy off the bench is always ready. Um, Indeed. 1977 Trojan uh, wrote in and says, what do you look for in a way an excellent safety plays? And then who among the group of safeties do you like? I think he's talking about USC's current group. But what, yeah, what do you look for in a safety and anyone you like on the team right now? Uh, to be honest, I don't know who we got at safety right now. <laughs> um, and I really haven't, I really haven't watched our defense with, you know, uh, with the intention of seeing what the safety is doing. Uh, I've been, if I'm being honest, I've been kind of disappointed in, in some of the things that we have done as a team in general. Um, so I've been, I've been in, in my own way in terms of, you know, um, trying to see what these guys are doing. There has been certain people that I've kind of, you know, um, been keeping a close eye on, but for the most part, you know, I kind of, I kind of faded away because I was highly disappointed. But, and what I look for within the safety is one, um, I anticipate the safety being the leader of the defense. You know, I would love to see somebody that's back there calling the shots, um, keeping everybody in order and in line and making sure that everybody is on the same accord. Therefore, that that play can be ran appropriately. Um, but not only that, you know, I would like to see somebody that is not afraid to be a free safety and still come in the box and, and do whatever he needs to do in the box, whether it's covering a tight end or coming up for a big hit. You know, um, I feel like there has been some times when we we have had some folks that kind of shy away from from putting their helmet in there. I, I don't know if that's the right term I can use nowadays with concussion protocols and stuff, but yeah, I, I, I like the safety that's that's very vocal, um, that that's willing to go into that coverage if, if need be, and not afraid to come in and you know hit somebody. You know, I, I think that's what a safety is. You know, um, I, I I oftentimes tell people when they ask me about my experience at, at USC. I tell them that, you know, every time Ronnie Locke came to the game and I had an opportunity to talk to him, I had my best games because I knew that he was that guy. And, you know, I wanted to kind of mimic my style after him and, you know, just be that guy that's willing to do whatever it takes to to support the team. And then you look at other folks like Troy Palomalu, like you can't say anything bad about that guy. He he did it all, you know. Um and I, and I believe that those two individuals are those type of folks that were leading the team vocally and, you know, willing to go into coverage and willing to bring, you know, the hat whenever needed. Yeah. I th- you probably followed Talanoa Fung a little bit. I got to run into him a couple yeah. months ago working out in Manhattan Beach, like at the sand dunes. I was like, I'd walk in, I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, drove two hours from San Diego to come work out in that morning. So it was kind of fun. But Kalen Bullock is one you want to watch. He's, the, he's a youngster. Uh, I think he's going to be a really good one for USC. But I, I think you're not alone. And I, you know, talked to a lot of former players at different events where they sort of tuned out, checked out. And I think a lot of fans did as well. They weren't really happy with the yeah. way things have been going, but how different has the last six months been for you since USC 
I mean, acted like they really care about the football program and made a big hire like Lincoln Riley. Yeah. So, interestingly, <laughs> um, I mean, I think if you look at, you know, where I am today and the things that I'm that I'm doing, uh, I think this would all make sense. You know, um, in terms of the team, the first thing I look at is what changes have the coach made in terms of the players and, you know, their attitudes and how how they support the students within their academics. And once Lincoln, Lincoln came in, you know, uh, the first thing I did was reached out to my folks that's in the academic support center. And, you know, I just checked in with them and, and you know, asked the question of, you know, what is based off of the conversations you've had with him? Like, what do you think? Uh, like, is there anything that you can that you can tell that's different from the last guy uh, with uh, Clay Hilton? And, you know, I asked that when they first when they first got there and I asked that um, probably like a few months later, not a few months later, but a few weeks later to see if anything has changed. You know, um, and, you know, one of the things that that was provided to me was, you know, you can tell that he is going to come in here and, and change the culture. So, you know, I took that information because those are individuals that that I respect and appreciate. And I don't believe that they would provide that information and, and you know, uh, just be blowing smoke. Um, but I have also had the opportunity to to meet. Lincoln Riley and a few of the other coaches there. Um, and, you know, I also went to the, the spring game and, and just checked the temperature of everything. And you can tell that it looks like, you can tell that there's going to be some shifts within how things will be operating now moving forward. And, um, you know, I'm expecting, I'm expecting some great things, but at the same time, I'm not expecting an undefeated season. You know, I think at this moment, if we can, if our record, beats what we did last year which shouldn't be hard <laughs> great yeah. but what i'm really looking for this upcoming season is you know the sparks that we that we should have within our group um if i'm being honest my biggest fear right now is you know seeing how all of these new faces come in and and you know vibe and how they mesh together you know coming from so many different colleges and coming from so many different places and you know having that short window to actually make sure that everybody's on one accord to to be successful yeah. so hopefully uh hopefully the atmosphere is is put in in a way to where they can be successful and, and make that happen um but yeah I'm, I'm just really looking for for the sparks that that they can provide throughout the season you know i'm not looking for like i said i'm not looking for an undefeated season i just want to see better than what we've seen in previous years. Yeah. It's going to be too hard. It's funny you did your own digging. I like that. You were calling your sources up. I'm like, hey, what's going on around the program? That's good. Doing your due diligence. Uh, we got a yes, few more. We can, we can try to do these real quick. I want to make sure you get out of here. Fourth, the West SC says, what's your most satisfying win as a Trojan? Oh, that's, I mean, I, I, this may sound like a cliche but i'm gonna have to say my first game okay. 2003 against auburn you know um i believe the first drive we were on defense i get an interception oh yeah but i think we i think we did we 
blow them out 23 0 23 nothing yeah yeah you get, yeah, they yeah. had the ball first it was you, i believe it was your pick i thought it was you and then yeah, yeah. Leinert's very first pass was a touchdown so <laughs> yeah and you know there was so much hype about that game because they had uh cadillac williams who was a great running back uh Ronnie Brown, who was Ronnie another Brown. great running back, they both did amazing things in the NFL. I think Cadillac Williams' career was kind of cut short uh, because of injuries in the NFL. But then they also also had uh, was it Jason Campbell, the quarterback. Campbell, the quarterback, you know, was an NFL guy. I mean, a lot of NFL guys on that team. Yeah, yeah, you shut them out. You know, yeah. uh, and and we played at Auburn. You know, just the atmosphere there alone was crazy. You know, that's like. Not to say that we don't have true football fans at SC or in, you know, Southern California or period, but to be down south and see the atmosphere there, it was, it was different. Yeah. It was different. I have to say, you know, again, no disrespect to our fans, but, you know, we pull into their campus. All you see is blue and orange and they're there, like making it known that they are there and they're trying to kick our butts, you know. Um, and I don't think that we have that type of setting to where our fans can be all in the opponent's face like they were all in our face. Uh, but, yeah, I would say that that was probably uh, the biggest win, biggest win for me within that's, my career at SC. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, I, to I totally forgot that was your interception. Um, the – Punjabinator 024, what do you remember from the legendary legendary Fresno State game in 05? <laughs> my two picks? No. <laughs> We're going to mention a lot of your picks no. here. The, the questions no, have a lot of uh, games with your picks in them, yeah. No, that game, I think that game was bigger than many people expect because it was a lot happening on the field that that you're not able to see from the stands or, or on TV. Uh, I end up playing with some of the guys from Fresno State in different teams that I've played with on the NFL. Okay. Some of the guys from Fresno State I played with in high school, um, at Poly, and some within different all-star teams uh, in high school. Uh, so it was it was a lot there. You know, it was a lot of trash talking on the field and you know, um, just to go into that that game, knowing that Fresno State had potential, um, and then for that game to go to the basically the the last minute, um, that was interesting. Yeah, in a good way. In a good way, though. You yeah. know, uh, you got to give, you gotta, you gotta tilt your hat to Fresno State and the coaches for, you know, for coming in and and, and doing what they did. You know, um, but yeah, the biggest thing, the biggest, some of the some of the big moments I remember about that game, of course, like I said, my my two interceptions. Uh, Lawrence Jackson took away my touchdown, but that's my brother. I still love him. And, you know, we still talk about that to this day. I never bring it up. He does. But, <laughs> but um, you know, just some of the some of the some of the stuff that Reggie Bush did that night. I believe he had like 500 yards himself. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Between, he had the, the between, stop on the sideline thing where he went yeah. the other way. You're like, how's that's not even humanly you know, possible. So, yeah. You know, uh, that was definitely, that was definitely a great game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just some of the stuff that Reggie was doing 
on on offense and on kickoff returns and all of that stuff. Um, and then our our defense, you know, um, I think that was, I think that was a great indicator of how good our defense could be when it wanted to be. Um, I know we gave up a lot of points, but the fact that we fought all the way to the end was was important for us, I, I believe, um, because not many games we had to do that yeah. outside of like two or three games that, that year. And one game being a Notre Dame game, and then the other game being, uh, I won't even, I don't even think it was Arizona State because I think we ended up blowing Arizona State out by the end of that game. Yeah. But no, I think that was, that was, yeah, interesting to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> but um, in a good way. Yeah. In a good way. And speaking of your picks, uh, Gate Call wanted to know can you break down your pick six against Hawaii? Mm. Do you remember? Yeah, I do. I don't remember. So I, was like, I remember that was in. That was first game of the year, and that was actually the first touchdown that we had of the year. Okay. Uh, yeah, I believe we, if I'm not mistaken, that was we were in cover three, but we were showing cover two. Um, and, you know, our coaches did an amazing job of, you know, making sure that we were ready for the season and being ready for that game. Um, you know, we were showing cover two, and I slowly crept down. Uh, before the ball was snapped, and I knew that they had three receivers to the side, um, so I just went went where I was supposed to be, and and the ball came right to me. <laughs> and uh, I enjoyed my 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 small celebration to the end zone. You know, uh, I like to I like to consider myself at that time being a, a pretty fast guy. So you know, uh, you know, having that opportunity to get the ball and and only person in front of me. Not even in front of me, but on the person to the side of me was a quarterback. And I'd be damned if I let a quarterback catch me. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. Showing cover two, but really playing cover three and, you know, just doing what the assignment required me to do. Uh, we'll do one more. I know. I'm sorry. But there were so many good questions. I, I'm sorry to everyone that didn't get to put in there, but we had uh, CS Story 80 wanted to know that you got a bunch of carries at running back during practice. Uh, did you hope to get some playing time in that position? And then Hoops Folly two four seven says, "How do you think your career would have turned out if you stuck playing running back?" Uh, he said, "You were a Pop Warner legend at that position." Indeed, I was. Indeed, <laughs> I was. I was. I was truly a Pop Warner legend. Um, so, to go back a little bit, I played. I played running back all through Pop Warner. Uh, I went into high school um, to play running back. However, I hit my growth spur in, in ninth grade. Um, so I didn't even play football in my ninth grade season. I don't think I didn't play any sports in the ninth grade uh, because of that. And, you know, during that time, you know, Herschel Dennis was was doing amazing things at running back. We also had another running back in Roy Carrington. And then once it was time to for our sophomore season, you know, I have my I had my desires to go play running back, but we were loaded at running back. Um, with Herschel Dennis, Roy Carrington, and like two or three other running backs um, that were playing. But, you know, uh, the defense coordinator was like, hey, Darnell, if you want to you play, you need to come play safety because they're not giving you a shot at all. Um, so I did that. I wouldn't play safety. And my senior year, the defensive coordinator ends up being the head coach. And, you know, he 
was a good guy. And he was like, hey, I know that you used to play running back. So what I want to do with you, um, I'm going to give you a shot at running back during during this year. And which I did. I had, I think I had like maybe 20 or 30 carries in high school as a, as a senior and did some great things. Um, if I was to continue my career as a running back, though, I think it would have been great. You know, I was like the next day, George. <laughs> but I also had sweet feet, too. You know, uh, I think I would. I think I would have been good. Nice. Um, you know, I think I think a lot of people just feared that I was just a, a bigger guy. Uh, you know, in 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 height. Um, but yeah, I think all in all, I think I would have been a. I think I would have been a pretty solid running back. I, I was one of those guys that, uh, again, I was pretty quick. Uh, you know, I was kind of shifty, and I enjoyed contact. So <laughs> good luck getting me down, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I did have some opportunities playing running back at, at USC uh, in practice. And and that was one of the uh, selling points that Pete Carroll tried to, tried to do in terms of getting me to come back my senior year. Okay. It was like, you know, we're, we're losing multiple guys at running back. Um, if you were to return, you would have an opportunity to get some carries. Um, and then not only that, you know, um, my, my junior year at SC, we lost uh, Desmond Reed to a leg injury. And he was one of our returners. And through his injury, that ended up putting me back at uh, as a returner uh, my, my junior year. So I got the ball a few times. I got the ball. I had an opportunity to return the ball a few times at SC. I believe my first my first return was against Washington. I think I had like a sixty yard return or something like that. Nice. Um, but yeah, all in all, I think I would have been a solid running back. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Darnell, I mean, I can't believe this has been fifty minutes already. So I apologize for keeping you this long. I know you got a a lot of stuff going on that your 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 daughters, everything that's going on in your life. But I appreciate yeah. the time. This has been so much fun to uh, catch up with you. I know as soon as I saw you at the at the the golf tournament, I'm like, okay, we got to talk on these things. So it's been a yeah. little while, but I'm glad we got to do this. But uh, I really yes, appreciate sir. it. Same yeah. here. Same here. I appreciate you. All right. Well, you take care. And uh, so you're, I put your Twitter thing up the whole game, but you don't usually use your Twitter account anymore. You're not a big uh, social media guy. Uh, nah, I don't even know the last time I've checked Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I know we have a family Instagram account, but my wife kind of, she manages that and, and does whatever she does. It's more so, you know, us kind of sharing our kids or whatnot. But okay. social media, I try to stay off of it, man. I uh, there's other things that I got going on that I need to focus on. <laughs> yeah. And if they but want to get involved, you all, though, if I they want to get involved with sure. Olive Crest, uh, what's the best way? Is there a website for Olive Crest that they go to, or there is a website for Olive Crest? It's olivecrest.org, o l i v e c r e s t dot org, o r g. Um, and then another way, if you want. I don't mind, you know, sharing my, my, my personal email. Um, you can reach out to me and you know, I can get you all involved with some of the things that we have going on. Um, you know, we have the, the golf event. We are solidifying the, uh, the venue now, but I can tell you right now that we are looking at February 6, 2023. That's a Monday. Um, we usually go the, the week before Super Bowl. Um, and it'll be in, in, in the desert island area uh, or Palm Desert. Uh, and that's one of the things that we have going on. My wife, she puts together uh, a pick a purse event. So for all the fellas in here, you can send your 
your wife to that event or send your girlfriend. And I'm going to leave it at that for some of those players that's on here watching. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely olivecrest.org or you can reach out to me through my personal email. That's darnellbing at alumni.usc.edu, D-A-R-N-E-L-L-B-I-N-G at A-L-U-M-N-I dot U-S-C dot E-D-U. Awesome. Well, hopefully you get some, you hear from some people that the golf tournament is great. Uh, if you want to, yeah. there's tons of former players that are in it. They're all a lot of fun. Sean Cody, Lofa, I mean, they're worth the price of admission yeah. for sure. Just those guys, <laughs> but all of them are great. Uh, T2 is out there, all those dudes. So it was a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah. But thank you so much again, uh, Darnell. And best of luck with it. Congratulations on all the success and best of luck going forward. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I do appreciate the opportunity. All right. Take care, everyone. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed the, the show. And we'll talk to you guys next time.